a minute, a minute again. So we're going to talk about your your fight with doubt, your bout with doubt. That's what I want. Your bout with doubt. Yeah. Your bout with doubt. <clears throat> and and uh, you know, there's always contending. You know, there's there's contending sometimes with words. There's contending sometimes with uh, in physically. You know, physically fighting. I was watching a, 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 a what's that show? That, is it the Gypsy Girls, right? Where she said, "We're not just this." Remember, we're this. Yeah, the Gypsy Gypsy ladies. You know, she was saying, "We're not just this." I Means fighting with words. We're like this. You know, <laughs> punching each other out. Them some wild people, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they come to your house and bring everybody, bring a whole, everybody got a van or a truck. They load it up with people and just come and just take over your place and all nasty and everything and carrying on. But yeah, they had escalated from just battling with words to physical confrontation. Thank God our battling is only with words, man. It's a wrestling sometimes, but it's only with words. And so the bout that we're in, or the fight that we're in, is the fight of faith. And you will have to fight against doubt. That's your biggest enemy is doubt. And the question is, who will knock who out? Are you going to knock the doubt out, or is it going to knock you out? That's always the, the issue. The Bible tells us that we have to contend for the faith. You just can't believe God and live happily ever after. There's a contending for it. If you have to fight for something, that means it's important to you. Amen? If you're not willing to fight for it, it must not be very important to you. Or sometimes people will gauge how you feel about them by whether or not you're willing to fight for them. Men or fight to hold on to the relationship or fight, you know, the, uh, you know, women get into this thing all the time uh, with men, you know, you know, the, the uh, teenager relationship, the young girl, she got a, a boyfriend that'll beat up the other boy for her. Boy, she really thinks she important. Amen. Now, I know ain't none of y'all like that. Never been like that. Won't ever be like that. Hopefully. But there is a sense that love is something that you prove by contending for what love brings into your life. There's a sense that everybody has of their importance because somebody's willing to fight. Sometimes, uh, you know, people will get to the point in a relationship where, you know, well, well, let's just get a divorce, go our separate ways. And then somebody will say, well, aren't you willing to fight for what we've had? Aren't you willing to... You understand what I'm saying? And so we have that in our lives. We have a bout with doubt every day that that we have to make sure we're willing to contend for the faith and knock doubt out of our lives. You're not fighting against people. You don't have any enemies other than the enemy of your soul. He's the one enemy we've always had. And so as we contend for the faith, then we have to have this bout with doubt. In 1 Timothy 6.12, it tells us to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life, 
whereunto you are also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. So you've got, and, and when he talks about that many witnesses, it's just not earthly witnesses. But in Hebrews 11, it tells us that we have a great cloud of witnesses in the heaven, the saints who have gone before us that have contended for the faith, maybe in different ways than we do. We have a different kind of fighting for the faith than they had under the old covenant. But we still have to resist the devil. We still have to make a decision to go for God. You know, when you make up your mind that you're going to step out in faith, all hell comes against you to back you down and, and to get you to to give up. And it's never done in just an overt kind of way. It's always real subtle. It'll come to you like a reasonable idea you know like they uh, in the courtroom they say you know if you have reasonable doubt that this and that's what we do to ourselves we judge our desires in god by reasonable doubt well i got a reasonable doubt that god <laughs> my reasonable doubt is i ain't doing what i'm supposed to do which has nothing to do with whether or not god's gonna bless you if you're willing to change and get up and do it, you got me? If you're willing to make the change and get up and do it, your reasonable doubt can just go out the window. But there's something that happens when you step forward in the arena of faith. Bible says, if you, if you look at the Amplified, I think gives this, this translation of it. The Bible says that by faith, Noah pass judgment on the whole world can you believe that one person believing god and setting a hammer and a nail to a piece of wood passed judgment on everybody so every time he went out and and put another plank in that ark his neighbors felt guilty and condemned that's the way they feel when you go do your thing for god the unbelievers feel guilty condemned and then the devil sends after you doubt and ways to increase doubt to make it seem that it's reasonable that your faith is not going to work and do what you're proclaiming it's supposed to do. I was watching this uh, program, White Collar Brawlers. It's on Esquire Network. I'm always looking for something new, you know where they don't have another gay decorator or you know what I'm saying another gay couple kissing or you know what I'm saying I just you just got to keep surfing <laughs> pretty soon it's just going to be me looking at that that black screen you know because ain't going to be nothing on there pretty soon but anyway this show uh centers around uh introducing these people men to uh boxing in the ring boxing so they find some guys in the office who are like competitors like or maybe have a little beef against each other well i can outsell you like they had some headhunters and one of them was the top producer in that office and there was another guy who was always just behind him in his you know income for the company and so they kind of looked at you know go at it they're not 
just this, but they were getting this. You know what I'm saying? And so here they are. And, and so they introduce this show concept to them. Well, if your competitor's there, why don't we take it to the ring? I'll assign you a team to, you know, train you, and I'll assign you a team. They're all in the same gym. They all have quality trainers. They all have an equal opportunity to do well in this. And so as they go through their training, they, you know, have them doing their exercises. with one guy, he was all buffed already, you know. He come in kissing his biceps and stuff. And like, oh, brother. He thought he had an edge on this other guy because he had like 40 pounds of extra flab around here. And the little guy with the flab, I mean, in like three weeks he had toned up and great, you know. And they both looking good. And, you know, they getting working on the bag and they doing the bag and they get all this stuff. But when they get in the ring, see. That's a big difference. Because once you throw that punch, you enter into a whole different dimension of warfare. Once you step out in faith, amen, and you begin to pray and you begin to expect and you begin to invest your, your tithes and your offerings in the kingdom. When you start doing that, you enter into a whole different level of warfare. One guy was so relying on his, you know, his little shadow boxing and all that little preparatory stuff. You know how some people can quote the word back and forth at you and know all this and know all that. But when it comes to producing, the minute the devil says boo, they say, Ooh, where do I? Okay, Mr. Devil, you know what I'm saying? So this, this one guy and the trainers are, are seasoned old trainers you know they all cuss at you and stuff like that and so one one trainer was so frustrated with this guy because he got in the ring and he was all flexing up and he was dancing around and he took the guy and he brought him up with his collar like that he said throw the punch would you because he knew that the minute he popped that guy it's a whole different game that guy gonna pop him back he don't know if he gonna survive a hit The one guy, was he got in the ring, he finally hit the one, one guy he was sparring with. Now, this wasn't even the real opponent, just the sparring partner. And so the same trainer who just forced him to throw the punch, when he got hit, his nose bled. And the guy said, oh, my nose is bleeding. He said, hey, his nose is bleeding. You ever had a bloody nose? Yes. You had one? Yes. Yes. Well, welcome to the club. We all had a bloody nose. Keep punching. <laughs> That's what your pastor needs to say to you. When you start whining about what you ain't got and God didn't do this for you and you don't know what's taking so long. Why don't I have... Hmm? Just get in there and throw another punch. Amen. Just get in there and throw another punch, please. This guy ain't going nowhere until you hit him. And the devil is not going to retreat from your life until you hit him. How do you hit him? You hit him back with the same words you hit him with the first time. Do they ever change weapons in the boxing ring? You get them same two fish you had when you walked in there with the gloves on them. They don't put no special glove on there. They don't put no weights in there. You just got to hit him with the same thing you hit him with every time. And believe it's going to work. You can't be tapping the devil and mealy-mouthing and prancing around him and Hoping he don't show up today. So the question is, which one of you is going to knock the other one out? 
Are you going to knock out your doubt with your faith and dig deeper into the word of God for what you need from God? Or are you going to let the devil discourage you? You walk away from it. Lose your zeal. Use your, lose your excitement about the things of God. So you just got to throw a punch, folks. Keep throwing them. Once the punch is thrown, it's on. Okay? So you want to make sure the game is on all the time between you and the enemy. There is never a time where you won't need to use the word of God as a weapon to secure what it is that you need from God. You just will have to. Once you pray about it and you start expecting it, then the enemy will do everything to discourage you from believing it will happen. So when 1 Timothy 6 tells us to fight the good fight of faith, it's a good fight because it brings good things to you. It brings the answers that you need. It'll bring peace of mind to you. It'll bring hope and encouragement to you. And it also says to lay hold on eternal life. Now what does that lay hold on mean? Well, that's a wrestling term. So you go from boxing to wrestling. Amen. You know, what we have in in, uh, 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 the fight that we're in, spiritual fight as as believers, is more kind of like a mixed martial arts than it is about, you know, any kind of exact science. You hit the devil with everything you got. You might have to punch him one time. You might have to wrestle him down one time. You might have to intimidate him one time. But get something out there so that he knows that you still believe God. You're not backing down and you're not feeding into doubt. But that term to lay hold on really is a wrestling term. You see how wrestlers are. I'm not talking about these uh, the total divas and all them. I'm talking about real wrestlers. You know, the, the, uh, like the college and the high school wrestling where they're in that little circle. And they're trying to pin each other down. And when, when somebody gets up, you drag him back. You lay hold on him. See, you grab him and pin him down and lay hold on him and don't let him get out into the safe area. See? And that's what we're doing with the things that God has. We're laying hold on eternal life. On the things that we have from God that come to us for eternal uh, uh, security. Because once you get something in your possession from God, it stays there forever. I mean, you'd have to be dumb as a devil to mess it up. I won't go there, okay? So we just, we just, y'all know what I'm talking about. The devil got kicked out of heaven as perfect as heaven was. He wound up getting kicked out of there. Reminds me of some of them, you know, the boys at school that nobody wanted to go out with. You know the ones. Can't get a date. <laughs> Can't get invited to a party. You know why? Because when they get to the party, they tear everything up. They get drunk and crazy. And There was somebody not in my family. I married an in-law. You know, most of them is outlaws. You know what I'm saying? But uh, it's really on Gigi's side of the face. <laughs> be honest with you. Like a cousin or something, a third or fourth cousin removed that needs to be removed. But he would be as normal as pie, real quiet, until he got some wine to drink. And I have seen him go up from one end of a, a, a block 
to the middle, cussing, throwing people off of him, tell I'm gonna kill him, I'm gonna kill him. And, and just and call the police. I'm serious. Nothing helped him, but you know what? what he, when his mother, he did this while his mother was at work. When it got time for her to get off work, it was like he started winding down. Because I saw her deal with that brother. Oh, no. She said, what? John Willis doing what? And she was a, she was a church woman. Miss Rose. And she would find out what he was doing. She came and grabbed him by the throat and blank, 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 blank. And you better, you better get, I, you doing what? He did what? Bam! You know, and she beat him up worse than the police did when they got him down there. Back in the day, if you was of color and the police arrested you, you, you didn't look like you did when they arrested you. They whooped you up so good. You know, a lot of boys got raised by the police. Just saying. They wouldn't obey nobody else. You understand me? <laughs> Just say it. But see, that's the way it is in this fight of faith. You have to get hard, now down, knuckle, ugly with the devil. And let him know. Because see, first of all, what he'll try and do to you to create doubt, it sounds reasonable. You know? It's like, well, that lady couldn't have... Yeah, I've been on a jury before. Thank God they, you know, they decided not to pick me. I always wind up not getting picked. I just have that look about me. We don't want her, you know. But there was a lady who was accused of molesting her two children, and she looked like anybody's school teacher. You understand what I'm saying? She just looked so nice. It was like, I'm thinking, she couldn't have. She couldn't have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what? Good attorneys know how to. They they like uh um uh what are these people them uh redo type people makeup what do they do makeover? Oh, they take them thugs and put a suit on them and and you know you come in there you say Is that that boy not out there doing all. They now make you over. They give her tied her little hair back and she's real thin and small and got her looking like a little school mom. So innocent. I said, well, I guess she tear the devil up from what they're saying about her. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to understand that the enemy will come in and create reasonable doubt in us about our either our fitness for receiving from God either morally, spiritually, or something else, anything he can get on us, he'll kind of insert that in your brain. And you start reasoning. Well, maybe that is the reason that I don't have what I desire. Maybe that is. Well, maybe I need to do more of that. See, that's when you're really on the wrong road. Because, see, what you did ain't getting it for you no way. So you're going to do more of what to make... You understand what I'm saying? I mean, that's why you really got to stay in your word. You can't ever get out there and get on the, uh, the basis of earning, deserving, uh, doing good, and, and didn't do bad. And, you know, this ain't naughty or nice. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is about righteousness versus unrighteousness. If you find yourself on the side of unrighteousness, then you scramble back over and grab your word and tell God, God, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't realize that would hinder me from believing you. 
the thing of it that we got to understand is this. What you are contending for is faith, pure faith, that the Bible says was once delivered to the saints. Yes, yes. That same mountain. Come on now. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him. as Sarah, by faith, received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a full-term healthy baby when she was past age. Noah condemned and, and passed judgment on the whole world because he believed God. It, they didn't believe them or believe they were good enough. They believed God. God, if you told me, I guess you mean you're going to do it. That's all it amounts to. It's just a raw faith in God. That's the faith that was delivered to the saints. It's got no, nothing to do with reasonable doubt up in that. You know, the devil will give you reasonable doubt about anything. You know? If you're thinking about qualifying for something, as far as your, your morality, your behavior, you, you not doing something or doing something right or something wrong, you know, all my, that nonsense, come on, y'all. Now, that's not an excuse for bad behavior, because bad behavior is not faith behavior. See, if you're believing God... You obey God by faith. You trust that God, I'm doing whatever you told me to do. If I'm doing that, I believe that my faith is working in my life. I believe that as I pray and I expect you to bring good into my life, that good is coming to me. My needs are being met according to your words, your riches and glory through Jesus Christ. I believe all of these things. What disobedience does is it monks with your faith. See, you can't believe God when you're not doing what he told you to do. It's not so much he writing down all your no-nos and saying, well, maybe she got 10 no-nos. Oh, 11. She's over. Huh? Keep watching. There'll be 12 in a couple. You understand what I'm saying? Come on now. But what happens with if we get so much charged against us, so much unrighteousness in your soul. So much hindrance in your walk. Your faith does not work. Because it works by love. It works through righteousness. It works. And you know when you're believing God when you're in faith. If you don't know from, from the get-go when, it, you know, when faith is, is resonant and active in your life. You'll know from when it's restored, once it's not as active. You know, you've been stewing about something all week. It's Wednesday and you're stewing. You've been stewing since Tuesday when you got the bad news. And then Saturday finally gets here. And you're like a rabid dog. With a short leash on, jumping up to the altar. Pissy <laughs> shirty. Huh? Mm-hmm. I was sitting there all week and I was thinking. <laughs> well, you know, God's still going to do it for you, girl. I mean, all we got to do is tell God you still want it and, and just repent. And all you don't get it for your unbelief and just. Okay. 
Then you go back to say, oh, you're restored now. Your faith is right back up. You feel like you can, where the devil? Take this leash off of me. I'll get him right today. That's with me, devil. He done chased you all over town and chased you in the church, and now you want him real bad. That's how you know when you're in faith. When nothing is stopping you from speaking up and continuing to believe God. When nothing is hindering you from expecting good from God. huh? Just when you feel like that, go do something to help you sustain that type of attitude about yourself. Just stay in righteousness. You know, when you go in the supermarket, say hi to somebody. Instead of looking all weird and scaring them. I just don't have time for nobody. It's my God. Got, got them turbo chargers on the back of your shopping cart. Mowing people down. No, this ain't the day to do that. When you feel good about your faith and you know your faith is working, go do some righteous activity to help sustain that faith. Because you're going to need it. And that keeps you in understanding that God will still do. Or you, you, you start believing God for something. And it's like I tell you. Once you throw the punch, it's on. Once you pray the prayer, it's on. And you believe God, well, God, I've gotten uh, uh, behind on my credit card payment. And the interest is piling up and all this kind of stuff. And then you get something in the mail that says, you know, foreclosure and all this kind of stuff. And you get all wound up. And somebody coming, you see yourself sat out on the street. You see your kids going to debtor's prison, whatever it is, whatever it is. And so you make up your mind that you're going to contend and going to believe God anyway. Amen. And you make up your mind that you're not going to be moved by anything that you see. They can keep sending stuff. They cannot send stuff. But you know that God has told you that what he's given you is yours to keep forever. You got me? And so finally something comes in the mail that says that you can consolidate. Or you can do something that that will bring relief to you. And you understand that God has heard you because you held on to what he told you from the beginning. See, your trouble in between has nothing to do with what he promised you at the beginning. If he knew, if he did it on the basis of your cut-ups, your mess-ups, and and we ain't going to talk about where that money went instead of paying We're not going to even talk about that. But he promised it to you, knowing you was going to cut up, knowing you was going to get creative with your financing and with your bookkeeping and your checkbook. Huh? Calling the bank every five minutes to check your total. You know you spent that money. What you calling them for? They ain't supposed to be keeping up with your money. Huh? And oh Lord, don't tell me now it's on the internet. You can go on there and track everything that comes in and goes out. You be on there. People think you on Facebook in sin. You in your bank account in sin. Even more sin. Huh? Post date checks that don't never. See, they, the banks have got so hip to that, they don't even let you do that no more. When it comes through, they cash it. They don't care what date is on there. 
Say, we ain't playing your games with you. They're sick of this creative bookkeeping. Huh? But through all that, if you will repent and return, God is more interested in you learning his ways and making a decision to stay faithful to him than penalizing you for your mess-ups. He's a good father. He's a perfect parent. You know? It's something people always challenge by parenting skills or lack thereof. You know, children do better if they're instructed and encouraged along the way. If they're just corrected all the time and never instructed, they don't do very well. Why? Because they don't learn very much. So God is teaching us. Jesus said, learn of me. Amen. Learn my ways. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be. You've got to seek kingdom ways of doing things. And as long as you're exercising your faith and stepping out and willing to learn. See, when you use your faith, that means you're willing to learn. You step into the learning process. You're not perfected. You, you won't do everything right. You're just telling God, you know what? I'm giving you permission to teach me your ways. Here's my faith. I want to put it on you. I want to use my faith to advance in your kingdom and have the life you wanted. You died for me to have. See, it's, it's, and he says this too. Isn't your life more than things? Isn't there more to you than just what you eat, drink, and wear? So we're going to teach you ways of righteousness and heal you of your lust for things to eat, drink, and wear. Which I mean, it's a process, folks. I mean, I still am, am, you know, cutting back and trying to maintain and not be a hoarder. You know, that, that show scares me. Because I think one day they might bust me on my, all my, you know, cases of toilet paper. You get, <laughs> you get toilet paper happy. Or paper towel happy. Or, you know, tuna fish happy. You know, you get to hoard 24 cans of that at a time. And, you know what I'm saying, expiration dates. And there's a cabinet in my kitchen. I'm scared of that cabinet. Because if I ever bend down and look and see what's really in there, it's one of them you can't really see. You Like I deal on the edge of it. But if you ever really get down there and look, un- oh my goodness. 2005? Are you kidding me? And that's the most recent stuff. We got some back from the 90s sitting back up in there. Huh? Don't want to throw it out. Might need it. Just never know. Somebody from 2005 might be giving a, a retirement party, and I got a can with that date on it, just, you know, to slip right in there with the rest of the gifts or something. You understand what I'm saying? And so we are being healed of insecurities. You know, we're being healed of. <laughs> you know, if God was really to come and shake our tree sometimes as to whether we're really using our faith. You understand what I'm saying? I had some dental work done. And I, you know, I just really don't grab pills as the first, first, my first line of defense on things. You know, I, but I had, I had, you know, they'd shoot you. 
and the, you know with the supposed to be novocaine and none. see i know how this stuff works it numbs everything but what hurts <laughs> is it true you walk around your mouth is crooked and you're trying to spit and all this and it's dribbling all down here and it's killing you it's like well why didn't you give me some motrin or something before i sat down here and then hook me up with that stuff that don't do nothing. Because then I got to try and get that pill in my mouth while it's crooked and I can't really swallow nothing and wait for it to work. You know, they just don't know how to work their program and don't listen to you. You know what I'm saying? Anywho. But I realized that from that, I had got, kind of got permission. Because they ain't going to give you no hard stuff, not prescription wise. You understand what I'm saying? That's out. That changed so fast. You know, when I was in nursing, which, <laughs> don't even go there, okay? You know, people always trying to guess uh, when that was. They now have electricity in hospitals. That's how long it They have a thing called an IV. Oh my goodness, you can do that now? You know what I'm saying? But anyway, uh, it, it, so many years ago, I can remember, you had Valium just in your pocket. As a nurse, because (laughs) that wasn't psychiatry. It was handed out like candy. You know, it's like, hey, whatever, whatever. You know, their name was on the list. You can have one now. Come back in 20 minutes. That's your time. You hear someone's running up to you every five minutes. Is it time yet, Mrs. Williams? No, it's not time yet. When can I have it? Let me give you half right now. You just stuck them in your pocket and walked around with them. Then all of a sudden, the government started saying, you've got to count them now. Well, half the staff got ticked off because they didn't have the value. I mean, you know how you, when you get home and you take your uniform, oh, look what's in my pocket left from work. Sit it up on the dresser. You understand what I'm saying? Just in case. Now they count everything. And, and everything's a control substance. Did you know you can't buy two bottles of cough syrup at the supermarket at the same time? I knew you'd know, Sister McKinney. (laughs) I mean, seriously, I mean, like, they're controlling everything. But they're legalizing marijuana everywhere. See what I'm saying? It makes sense. So they don't give you really no goodies. So they tell you to take, they'll say, well, take two Motrin. They know that ain't going to move that thing right there. Well, you can take as many as four. And then you can take it instead of like the bottle says, then you can take them every four hours. So I had got to the point where I just throw four in my hand and throw them in my mouth because that thing was killing me. You understand what I'm saying? But when I got off of the, I ain't been to the dentist in some, almost a year now. I don't intend to darken their door real soon. You understand what I'm saying? They come calling me. It's time for your cleaning. I hope you show up. I said, I do too. I said, because right now I ain't feeling it. You know, it's snow on the ground too. You won't see me until the weather gets warm. Listen, I got, I got a uh, uh, manicure kit that'll clean teeth. Don't I, Punkin? Huh? You take them, 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 them uh, nail pusher backer things? Honey, you can do the same thing them hygienists do. No discredit to the profession. Huh? I'm serious. Floss? Oh, no, honey. I got an instrument that'll separate them bad boys. 
listen, my uh, beauty school teacher had a chipped tooth and fixed it with Lee nail. And that's the same stuff they mix up now to do your veneers and all that kind of That's the same thing. She was prophetical. Ahead, way ahead of her time. Huh? And you know that tooth stayed fixed for the longest time. She, I, when I left school, she still had that Lee nail sitting up there on that tooth and it was fixed. How'd I get way over there? So don't tell me I don't have other resources. You understand what I'm saying? Sister want to get it done or sister get it done? Huh? What's thinking about them people? I mean, you know, they where they where they do fine, they do fine. But where we overlap, I can take over in a minute. Straighten that out. But you know, I started by habit. This is the thing you gotta watch your habits. Because there are spirits attached to habits very often. Huh? Witchcraft spirits get attached to medicines. When I was recovering from mental illness, it was a long time ago, okay, recent. Like last week. No, many years ago. I was taking pills by spiritual information, not by what I felt or how I felt. I was pretty much doing it by habit because when my mind would tell me certain things and I would feel something and I'd go take it. I realized what a, a, a problem that was. One day I went to take a pill and I dropped it on the floor and I automatically calmed down because I had made the motion of getting it to my mouth. It fell and I got peaceful. And I said, God, there is something wrong here. I said, because if I can calm myself down thinking I took the pill. So there's spiritual forces that get engaged because it's legal for them to get engaged in certain activities. And so in the activities of drugs, mood elevation, mood changing, all that mind occult situations. Then spirits get involved in those things and they begin to be the driving force behind them. And so I was thinking one day, I said, you know what? I said, I need to back up off of these four pills. You know, because you can get kidney damage from those things. You can get. And so I had to sit there and think, I said, God, you know what? I'm going to renounce this spirit. I'm going to rebuke this thing and get it out of my life. So that if I legitimately need something, I do it. But if I don't need it, then it's not prodding me to take it and get involved in that kind of stuff. So there's, there's the enemy feeding you doubt about your healing, about your fitness to be, uh, 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 you know, to trust God with your body and divine health. We have these battles continually, folks. You can innocent, that's how people get, get hooked and they got to go to, to uh, drug rehab places. Because they get, these spirits get involved and start driving them so that they can't say no to certain things. There's pressure there, it puts on them so that they can't say no to certain things. And that's the way the enemy wants to get us. When we step out in faith and want to use our, our faith to help our life, 
he wants to drive us into a corner where we have to get dependent on him again. We have to have a reasonable doubt about whether we can do this without certain things. You got me? And so if we can stay true to the faith and fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on that promise. Lay hold on it. Don't let go of it because it's trying to get away from you at all times. Not because God's trying to get away from you, but the enemy, everything in this world comes through this world system. And when you pray, you're actually taking from the devil something that he's got and he's trying to promise it to somebody else. And that's the lay hold of because it's trying to get away from you because it's promised to somebody else down here on this earth. Jobs, for instance. When jobs get scarce, believers have to believe all the more to be able to get in that door. You've got to use the word of God to get that job more than anything else. You're not going there because of your your wonderful work record or your education that, that you think more of than anybody else does. Because trust me, if you're in one of them situations where nobody's checking the records... They'll hire their uncle, their aunt, anybody that don't have qualifications. When times get hard, you'll start to see people uh, cutting corners, cheating, doing everything they can to survive. And they'll get these people in on top of you even with your good education. So you can't depend on that to, to, to challenge the world out here for what the world's goods are. You can't do it. And so you have to contend. You have to, when that thing starts slipping away from you because of doubt, you've got to get even more in the word and nail it down again. I will have that job. I will have that increase. I will have that raise. I will have that, that, that thing that God has, I will have that. I will. And you lay hold on it and you pin it down to the mat and you do everything you can to possess it. You're into possession. The enemy fights us so hard because he knows once he gets it into the hand of a saint, it's gone forever. Especially if you believe God for it. Now, if you're thinking your charm, your wit, your humor, you know, your doctor so-and-so before and after your name, is doing these things for you. I got news for you. It's really not. And at some point, even our faith is going to be challenged for the things that we have established. Many times we get things based on spiritual laws that we're not even understanding when they're working. Because God doesn't report to you how he's doing things for you. Because he knows we ain't interested. Are we? We just want our stuff. If he was to take you aside and say, say, now Sheree, now listen to me. Now if you will do, this is how you got this far. And if you, you, you say, huh? I'm not interested in that. So he can't get our attention to educate us as we go. So we have to make the, we have to make the uh, effort to get understanding. And so you get understanding through the word. You get understanding through meditating on the word. Sometimes you'll get to a place where you're not stressed and pressured about something. You have time to talk to God about these things. And he'll open your understanding to them so that you can can get to know how God operates in these things. It's good to know how he operates. You can get that going all the time if you understand that. So, what is doubt? Why do we doubt? 
And doubt actually is a belief in something other than the word of God. Your carnal man has so much faith in your weakness, your inabilities, your family history, your, you know, all that kind of stuff. Your, your, your flesh man has total confidence in that, and that is what makes you doubt God's word. Doubt is a roadblock that prevents us going forward in faith. It actually tells our spirit man to stop because it's afraid of losing its grip on your life. You ever think of something that you believe God would do for you and you get scared? Yeah. See, that's what they see that's how your flesh man, see your carnal imagination is engaged in it. That's the problem. That's the way your flesh man responds to everything. That comes from God. If it's good, it scares him. If it's bad, it scares him. And so he's just scared. And so as long as he's engaged and, and active in your life, you're going to get that negative response. Your flesh man likes things on the wish level only. He doesn't like reality level of anything. Because the minute you get start moving yourself, say you start coming from the wish level, down to the reality level you know you say oh uh god uh you know i really really want to get married i want to but what if <laughs> see you start out the high wish level you know where you you kind of see this brother and he you know he work out and got this car that you've never seen before you know it's a foreign car you ain't sure what kind of it is but it's up there in the hundreds of thousands of dollars you know that kind of stuff and then you start looking at but what if what if he don't want to go to church? What if he cusses? What if he slaps me? What if you got me? All the and you start when you start coming down in reality levels, boom, 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 boom. And you hit the bottom rung of the huh? That's why it's good to stay in the word and don't fill nothing in. Huh? God says, if a man finds a wife, so quit imagining about him and start thinking about you. Huh? You know, start asking God, well, what, what, would, he, what would a wife look, look like to him? What would I look like as a wife to a husband? Now, see, I done lost 90% of y'all now because, see, that scares you. And that scares you. Huh? You know what you need to expect is that he ain't going to know no more about a real wife than you do know about being one. Yeah. Yeah, God. Send me one of them. He, he ain't looking for a real wife. He ain't looking for Proverbs 31. He kind of looking more for... Uh, well, whatever, it ain't in the Bible yet, but I can swing it. Huh? Don't you walk out of it. <laughs> the, the teeny bladder committee. Huh? They all get, they all get like that. When, when it gets, huh? Poor Raymond, he's back there holding off to the edge of the chair. <laughs> But that's what you believe. You believe in God's wisdom about these things. 
teach yourself off the wish list, you know, off the make a wish. See, that's where we spend most of our time in carnality, where the things of God are concerned. You know why? Because your flesh wants to enjoy them sometimes more than your spirit man. Your spirit man isn't afraid of anything God wants to do in your life. In fact, he's anxious to bring good things into your life because he knows God can help you work these things out. See, everybody's a work in progress. You don't have to be perfect at anything to, you know what I'm saying, to get along with somebody. You can help each other grow. That's what God looks for us to do. Huh? But listen, when you're asking God for something, now bring your A game. You know what A stands for? Attitude. Huh? Just come come with a humble heart. Come understanding God. You know, it's not good for me to be alone, God. It's not good for another person to be alone. Where we could understand love and understand you and, and make a, a life and help one another and love each other, encourage each other, take care of one another. You know, when, when he's down, I can be up. Don't let us both get down at the same time. You understand what I'm saying? These, you know, if he's got dreams he wants to see fulfilled, I have dreams. We help each other. We don't step on each other with, my dream is more important than yours, and, you know, you can't do this because I, I got to do my thing. You know, that kind of. Just help me to learn how to get along with somebody, you know, for the long haul. Somebody I can be committed to. Amen? Somebody. You know you better give me five, don't you? You'll be sitting up there looking like that, looking like she stole something. You better not do that, you bad girl. You, yeah, just receive it. Just receive it. I'm here to help you receive it. Sister. I know it's strong medicine. I know it's tough medicine. <laughs> you all right? It was hard for me too, darling. You understand what I'm saying? I was already in a marriage and it was rough. You know, and, but. Uh, but you know that's that's what we do. That's you put your confidence in God in everything. Got me? Problem with sometimes people is they work too hard at things that God wants to bring easily into your life. Huh? Work too hard at them. These are things that God wants to do. He understands you. He understands what you like, what you don't like. When he answers your prayer, he will not bring you something you don't want. Huh? He's not here to upset your life. He's here to bless your life. Don't worry so much about the other person. Be concerned about you being the right kind of person. Amen? And what you don't understand, you, you help each other to get it straight. You know, that's what, that's what life is. That's what family, that's what a marriage is. Starts out with two imperfect people who have a trust in God to help them to be able to make a life together. And a good life together. Amen. A life that's going to be a blessing to both of them. A prosperous life. So when you think about what God is bringing into your life, don't nitpick it to death. That's what doubt does. Doubt will tend to block the road to goodness in God by picking apart the thing that you think you, you want from God. You have to get yours straight from the word. You can't get it looking around. You get it straight from the word. Now I know we all say we got to go to the gym because we need to lose some weight. 
But I know what most people going for. Because they ain't hardly looking hard at the machines as they ask about everybody else that's in there. You understand me? And so we have to resist the temptation to foil our own prosperity by looking by sight, living by sight, what we see somebody doing, what we and learn how to clean your mind up. Think healthy about certain things. Think don't ever bring in a negative thought about something that God that you're believing God for. Don't let the enemy plant anything in there that's gonna make it a problem for you. See, that's a form of doubt too. You know, if you're believing God for for a, a, a you know a, a job, believe Him for a good job. Don't wonder if it's going to be this or if it's going to be that. God will make it what you believe Him to make it to be for you. The same thing with a spouse. The same thing with anything else. God will make that person what you want them to be if you will obey God and if you will trust Him. He'll bring good things into your life. We are so caught up in the carnality of things. See, your your mind's always thinking about carnal things. You know, what if he snored? Well, you better go in there and go to sleep first. Or you may not be getting no sleep. I mean, these are practical, practical tips. You know, you get used to people snoring. It don't have to sit up. <laughs> you mad all night long. Girl, I went to sleep so long, I ought to slept three times to your one. I'd have four hours to your one. Huh? I had enough nerve. You know, Aubrey snored ever since I met him. He was a drinker, and you know, drinkers snore. When he quit drinking, he still snored. And so I just got used to snoring. It never bothered me. And you know, one night he said, you snore. I said, you got nerve. I said, brother, do you realize you've been snoring ever since we've been married? How dare they accuse me? And I've been putting up with your snoring all this time. So I learned the secret to his success because he snored. He got in there, got to sleep first. And then I had to listen to him. <laughs> But these are small things, folks. Small things. God works out small things. He works everything together for your good. But if you will trust him and not let doubt take over. Not let that, let that doubt knock you out of believing God. Where you get backed off of the promise and then you start to faint and you quit. And then your heart turns bitter against it and you say you don't want it anymore. You got me? You don't let yourself get into that position because that's where the enemy's won. That's where doubt is run over. Because he's convinced you through strong evidence. He keeps piling it on and keeps piling it on and keeps piling it on. If we don't come out from under that and bust through that with the word. And just keep saying, God will do this. God will supply. I'm not afraid of what God's going to bring into my life. Because it's a blessing. I don't care what it looks like in the beginning. It is a blessing in my life. And once you step out in faith and receive it, then continue to stay in the word. Where people get, get where they lose the battle is that they'll get something from God and then go carnal with it. You know, you get it by the spirit and you want to enjoy it in the flesh. 
Huh? You know, you sit up and say, <clears throat> he's sitting up there eating all that fried chicken. Look at that belly of here. <laughs> I know what y'all do. Listen, I was married for almost 30 years. I know the nitpick mentality. Huh? When you start doing, you slap yourself. You said, no, Jesus, that man is perfect in my eyes. Got me? He is exactly what I need. If he like it, I love it. You got me? And don't let yourself get caught up in nonsense like that. Picking apart little physical things. Little, letting little things bug you that shouldn't bug you. Huh? I remember I was, uh, had a girlfriend <laughs> in high school. And she was dating this guy for, for the years when we were in high school. And then I saw her later, some years later, she was married. And she didn't marry him. And I said, didn't you, when you go with She said, Oh, Barbara, that boy, he, I don't know, he started to get this funny little mole on his face or something. You know that thing bothered me? And I just made up my mind, I just can't look at that thing no more. And dumped him, he was a nice guy. You know, I don't know about marriage material. But see, that's what we do as believers. See, God brings something into our life and we let the devil start picking at it and picking at it like a little zit or a little mole on somebody's face that they can't do nothing about. And you let that drive you away from the promise of God. Huh? It's the truth. Listen, honey, people are people. There's no good people. There's no bad people. They're just people. God makes them what they are. And God can change them into something. Now, he's not going to change them just to please you. Trust me, if it's something you want to see happen different, he will make that the last thing on the list. Just to show you you're not God. Because if it's good for one, it's good for the other. You might get somebody that wants to nitpick you to death and make you change. Doubt really fears faith in the unseen. Doubt stays alive because doubt keeps us focused in the natural realm. So it fears faith in the unseen. Why? Because if you have faith in what you don't see, doubt is dead. Doubt has no ground if it can keep you focused, if it can keep you focused, if you stay focused in the unseen realm, doubt has no ground to hinder you. Because doubt can't work in the unseen realm. It works in the seen, and then it exaggerates what you see to make it something that you don't desire. Huh? Sometimes you can say if, if somebody has a habit that you don't like, you'll make that habit, doubt will make that habit bigger than the good things that they do. And so doubt will start to embellish things because it's got your attention in the seen realm. So if you will take your attention and your focus off the seen realm and believe God is manufacturing something for you in the unseen realm, and all you have to do is continue to believe God until it manifests in the natural. So you'll win the bout against doubt. You'll knock it out and you'll be able to get the things that you desire from the Lord. Jude 1 <clears throat> says that our one, uh, let me see, let me go to that because I'm not sure if that's the one I want to do or not. I'll do one more and we'll be finished. Jude. Yeah, we talked about that. The faith that was once delivered to the saints 
turn to Hebrews 10.38. And that will be the last one that I'll do. It says here, now the just shall live by faith. This is how we live. This is how you obtain the things that pertain to life is by faith. The just shall live by faith. And he says here, but if any man draws back, that means if you go off into the natural, you let doubt take you over and you leave the promise there on the altar and you walk away in the natural again. He said, if any man would draw back, he says, my soul has no pleasure in him or no delight in him. You want God to delight in your life. You want him to enjoy you. Because he is he's very much disappointed in us to a degree. If we start believing and then turn away and then let ourselves get distracted by doubt. And it's easy to do. Because as soon as you start to believe God for something, the enemy will come and try to plant some kind of negative idea in your mind against what God has for you. Why? One of the things that, and, and it doesn't depend really on what you believe God for. If we can get ourselves beyond thinking that the thing we're expecting from God is so important and get focused on the faith that we develop to get it into our lives is more important than the thing that we're believing God for. You got me? Faith is the vehicle that it rides into your life on. Your faith will pull. It's like having a, a hitch on a, 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 on a car. Your faith will pull that that hitch being your faith. You connect it up there to that promise and that faith will pull anything that you need to come into your life into your life. It will pull it from the unseen realm into the visible realm. And so what's more important and what God is looking at more than anything is your hitch. He wants your hitch to be able to pull more and more and more because he wants to bankrupt the devil. He not, he not only, you're not just pulling it in for you, but this is a kingdom responsibility that you have. And so you're pulling it in because he needs certain people to be able to pull certain kind of weight in the realm of the spirit. So they can get certain things, kind of things done in the realm of the spirit that he needs to have done as well. So his soul has no pleasure in us if we unhitch what we're pulling and think in a selfish way, well, I don't want this no more. Huh? I used to want a husband, but I'm gay. You know, whatever people say. You know, they say all, they got all kind of excuses now. You know, it used to be, well, you know, my, my dad beat my mom and I'm afraid of a, a beater. You're going to get one being scared. See, because that's the first thing the devil will put in your life. You go around scared. I just don't want to get somebody who's going to be with me. Huh? Well, now you got your choice of a man, a woman. So you can really get messed up and prolong what God wants to do in your life. You keep putting it off so long and putting it, I can't make up my mind. Well, I like the single life. You know, you can do more for God. Really? Huh? God has so much more that we can hitch our faith to 
than that little thing we stay so wound up about all the time. Huh? The biggie. Everybody's got a biggie in their life. Something that you're always going to take a big hitch to pull a list in because you know the biggie. It's just a biggie to you because you have doubt. Doubt tends to make things burdensome and harder to accomplish in the realm of the spirit. That's why we're always saying, I wonder what it is. What's taking so long? Why, why, why? Doubt puts a heaviness in your life that makes it impossible to lighten the load and get your faith to work so that your faith works simply to bring things into your life. There have been people that have come, come into your life probably, if, if you're looking for somebody to marry, there's probably been a ton of people come into your life. That would have been a good husband or a good wife for many of you. But doubt, looking in the natural, your mind's all screwed up with the what ifs and the, the fears and the, I can't make biscuits. Pastor Bob always tell me they like biscuits. <laughs> you know you're going to the colonel anyway, so don't even try to play the brother. Or you get some of the, now, now listen, now just girls, just female trick number. I'd rather see y'all go to the colonel. And get a kernel spanking and then to get that stuff in the can and try to make that work. Okay, just saying. You got a choice to make? Go down with the kernel's biscuits and don't even try that stuff in the can. That stuff ain't right. Just saying. (laughs) But you know what I'm talking about. You have the fear about the natural situation not being something that you can master. Well, if you've never been married before, you're not going to know until you jump into it. Whether you can master it. You have never crossed this way before. That's why God takes you slow in uncharted territory. Because he knows you have never passed this way before. There's some mercy for you. You can mess up the biscuits just a couple times. Now, I wouldn't play no brother, you know. I mean, a for real brother. I wouldn't play him, you know. But you can make a few mistakes sometimes, and they'll forgive you because they love you. They're supposed to be able to do that. What you laughing at? How come I can't get her on the back row sometimes so I can give me some serious people on this front row? That's okay, Sister Johnson. We, know. we might as well have a good laugh, right? It's okay, darling. It's okay. Right, 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 right. I know the story already. But you know what I'm saying. There's mercy for you. There's ability to to correct yourself if you're sincere and you do things with a heart of love. Now, if you're grudging and you keep you know you keep this anti-man attitude on you all the time. You understand what I'm saying? Everything they say to you, you don't want to do it, and or you do something sometimes. I can't do everything he tell me to do. He gonna think I'm easy. I'm not going to even go there with that. (laughs) What time is it? How much time? (laughs) We're winding down, aren't we? Huh? How many? Oh, boy. 13 minutes to... Well, we'll put it this way. You've been redeemed from the curse of easy, right? I don't want him to expect this all the time. Y'all got to cut that out. Huh? Because God expects you to do it all the time. And not only do it all the time, but do it with joy. And do it with love. And do it without grudging. 
Women get upset because the husband doesn't want to do anything. Like what? And can you make him? And do you know what he's supposed to do? Let me ask you this. Was he doing it when you met him? (laughs) That's where most of y'all mess up. Because if he wasn't doing it when you met him, he ain't going to do it now. It's going to be more of the same. Huh? Oh, yeah. See, you can spend years. Listen, it's easy to slow down a runaway horse. Huh? But it's hard to beat the dead one in their life. And see, what, what many women get caught up in is dead horse issues. Huh? Dead horse issues. Because somewhere in your fantasy life, you always dreamed of a man who would do whatever it is. And you think, now that he didn't say, yes, you can make him do what you want him to do. You won't see that in the Bible. See? That's called witchcraft. And that's forbidden by God. See, some of us ain't happy. Until we can make the whole thing go shipwrecked because we just won't get up off of that one thing. Hmm? Some of us go beyond nagging. Huh? That's how men wind up on snapped. Huh? We go to holding the kids hostage and holding the credit cards hostage and all this other kind of stuff. You know, you can't do that. And and expect God to bless your life. So the best thing to do is just settle down. Live the life of faith. Don't turn back. Once you start believing God for something. Keep your hand to that plow. And wherever that plow takes you. That's what God has for you. Most people go back and start looking at things that they. Oh I wish I had that. Yeah that. Ooh I wish I had that. Oh. And God says, my soul takes no pleasure in people like that. It means you don't trust him that if you go forward that he knows how to put in your path the things that you desire. He starts to orchestrate things into your life that your faith is capable of pulling in. You understand what I'm saying? Suppose you're, you, you can only believe God for a, a good man who's sane and goes to church. Then that's what you start with. That's your lump of clay. Because he got about the same thing. You understand what I'm saying? Because you just about barely sane and going to church yourself. You understand? We want something way up here. And in our spirit we way here. You know your flesh is way up here wanting stuff. Well honey if Donald Trump was ever to come in. I wish I would nene leak down there with Donald Trump. No you don't. Huh? Just... Keep your mind and your eyes focused on the faith that God has inserted into your life. The things that he tells you to believe him for. Believe him for health. Believe him for a good job. Believe him for a healthy spouse. Believe him for a spouse that's diligent and wanting to believe God. That don't, don't want to fight the word of God. Won't give you a hard time when you step out and want to believe the word of God. Believe God for simple things like that that will make your life pleasant and make it bearable. Don't try to go reaching for something that doesn't exist for you. 
You understand what I'm saying? Because most of the time we get frustrated in our overreach. And then we get discouraged and don't want it at all. And where God has you is somewhere in the middle, somewhere in reality of things. When you get married, that person is going to need your help, need your love, and need your encouragement because they can't go anywhere else for that. In a marriage, you don't have a bunch of people you can go to. You got that one person. And see, that's what scares a lot of people. You know, well, I guess I'm just going to have to take what he gives me. No, you create your life by your faith. You create your life by the faith that you lead. You don't just take something from somebody. What's wrong with you? You don't deserve to live by faith? Can't your faith pull in pleasant things in your life? Why are you always scared of what's going to happen? Because you think, you, you, you know, it's like your faith will create Frankenstein or something. That's not going to happen. Unless you like that. You know, I'm, I don't judge nobody. Just saying. You like Frankenstein? You can have it. A lot of brothers wear a size 22 shoe. <laughs> what do basketball players wear? Don't be afraid to live by faith. There's nothing your flesh can pull into your life that's going to bless you and help you. Just forget it. But allow yourself to understand God. Understand his ways. Use your faith for great things, small things. Every, just go into the word and find out what God has for you. And he'll delight in you. You'll delight in yourself. You'll delight in the results that your faith brings into your life. But you've got to trust God that he's on the other end of that hitch. And he's connecting something to that that's a desire of your heart. That's a blessing for you. Some of you get, get needled by the devil. He's always pressing your mind. Which you should have this. You should have that. You should. And even more so. You start setting time limits and schedules. and uh, That's the worst thing in the world to do is try to put God's promises on a schedule. Because you can work overtime trying to develop your faith, but the Bible says faith comes. You don't get it. It comes. Amen. From the hand of God. And God will give you faith that you need for the things that he wants you to have, not for a bunch of nonsense. And so it all boils down to just trusting God. When you doubt starts to sound reasonable to you, you get even more so in your word. You get even more so in understanding your word. Go in the word and get some new understanding of some old things. You ever done that? You go in and you find some of them old teachings or old scriptures you used to listen to. And God will make it new and fresh in your mind. He'll give you something to add to. What you never exhaust God's ideas for helping your life. But he wants us to live by faith because that's the best way to live. That's the foolproof way to live. You want to get messed up in life, you start living out of carnality and out of carnal things. You know, there have been people that have been, been hindered and derailed for years and never get their, their ship back on course because they just had to have something and didn't trust God to bring it to them. Bad stuff, folks. You get your hitch hitched up to the wrong thing, you know. You pull it in the house and you find out you can't live with him because he can't live with himself. And vice versa. You know, the woman can't live with, with herself and the man can't live with her. And so we have to understand that once we start living by faith, let faith do, let it have its perfect 
perfecting work in your life. Let faith do what it's supposed to do. Get your mind off stuff. People, things. Who loves me? Who doesn't love me? Who cares about me? You start loving people, I guarantee you, you set your affection on obeying God. And you start asking God to give you love in your heart for people. Start obeying God that way. And it will shock you the right people that God will bring into your life. And they won't be there for you to abuse them or use them or take advantage of them or anything like that. But they will be there as a blessing in your life. People that you can form long-term relationships with. That when you see them years down the road, you find out, just like Darlene came here today. She's, she's serving God. These were people we knew as children. And God will, if you walk in love and you walk in the spirit, those people are on the pathway of your life where God will have you run into them at the right time and form the right relationship with them. You know, the right relationship with people. So trust God, folks. When your doubt starts creeping in, trying to steal you and get you to unhitch from God's promises, you stay connected even more. The more he fights you over something, the greater blessing it would be in your life if you hang on to it. There's a blessing at the end of that argument with the devil. You understand there's something that if you lock into it, it would probably solve major problems in your life. Because it's so important to the completion of your life, the devil fights even harder for you not to have it. And so when you find him making a big fuss about what you think is a small thing, understand it's a big thing as far as your life is concerned and as far as God is concerned. But lay hold of the things that God promised. Lay hold of eternal life. Just pin it down to the mat. Don't let any mindset talk you out of it. It's not right. It's not going to work. It's not going to. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because God brought it to me. That's why it's going to work. Huh? God's going to make it work. I don't have to make anything work. All I got to do is get it in there. And God will take care of me. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for blessing us to know the word. To understand the word. To understand the help that's for us in your holy word. We thank you for it, Lord. We bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If somebody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. Praise God.